but I think that's sorry. <laughs> um, I'm barely gonna touch this on editing, so you know, just, just live your life. <laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome to Showdown 2023, the same musical theater bracket podcast you love, just with a new name. This year, it's all about Tony performances. My name is Alex Schneidman. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Showdown, an ultimate musical theater bracket for uh, for for Tony performances this year, but next year, something else, and last year, something else. It is finally the finals. We have two songs remaining. They are Dream Girls, the performance from 1982 with Jennifer Holiday, and uh, The Color Purple from 2016 um, with a, a three-headed monster of incredible performances that I'm sure we'll talk about later. But first, we have to introduce our two guests. One, a longtime minor leaguer, rookie to the pod, uh, and one veteran um, who who returns, uh, Cami, care to care to introduce, say hello to the to the group. I would be delighted to. Um, hi, I'm Cami, longtime listener, uh, first time guest, but also longtime agitator to be on the podcast, which I think is probably why it's my first time. Um, so thank you to Alex for caving and welcoming me so graciously. Um, really excited to be here. Although I do take issue with um, minor league rookie, I'm not appreciative. Yeah, that was if kind of no, mean. No, like you've <laughs> you've been in in the development leagues for a couple of years, and now you're like, no, I'm a no. crossover star. Yeah, you know, like you, I, um, I'm bad at sports, but who is that guy who was both a professional football player and a professional baseball player? That would be Bo Jackson. So mm-hmm. I deigned to come over yes. and play this game. Okay. Yeah. There, there's also Deion no Sanders. Um, anyway, and uh, Mariah, feel free to say hello. Hello, everyone. I, I uh, Opposite to Kimmy, I'm a, a longtime veteran who's been begging to not be on the pod anymore. Um, so sort of one of those meeting of the minds. Um, gl- glad to close out the year with everyone again. Happy happy to be here all right friends speaking of closing out the year it's time for a little a little retrospective on this year's bracket i'm wondering you know what what you guys think what 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 the what what the collective ought to know ought to be taking away from this year's bracket we've we've come a long way some would say we've come the right way. Some would say we've come the wrong way. Um, I would say we're pretty much in the right direction. I, I seeded this pretty well. But what do you guys think? Open-ended question. Yeah, Cammy, take us away. Take us away with your fresh takes. I mean, it's been, as someone who's been following this bracket from not an authoritative point of view thus far, um, it's been really interesting. There's been a lot of things that didn't make it as far as I expected. Um, I think these two, I always saw going really far, but um, 
I think the most interesting thing to me was seeing what Tony Award performances mean to different people and mm-hmm. what your experience of musical theater means for the lens you view these through. Like people who are performers, it means something really specific to them. Um, people who are, you know, just fans of the medium, it means something really different to them. And I think also where in the canon you see yourself has really impacted um, what people are drawn to because this is such an emotional thing for so many people. Like I think that we all have our like comfort Tony Award performances, if you will, Mm. um, in a way that you can with songs and opening numbers and things like that. But this is like weirdly different, you know, like, (laughs) um, and so it's been really interesting hearing lots of different people talk about lots of different perspectives on something that means so much to so many in very different ways. What's your comfort Tony performance? Oh, um, I mean, bigger is definitely one. Mm. Um, I think as Alex said previously, um, like if you were our age when that came out, like it, (laughs) it defined something. Sorry. I have a dog here. Um, uh, Hamilton also is one for me because um, it's so celebratory. Like that was just their victory lap in so many different ways um, that every single person in that room was pulling for the people on stage. Like even the people they were nominated against because everyone already knew like where it was going. Um, and especially with like, taking the guns out and all that sort of stuff. It just, that's a really particular moment in like history as well to me. The Obamas, like it just represents a better time, I think. Mariah, do you have any retrospectives? Yeah, it, it, I think I've always felt like silly for, like came we were talking about like having comfort Tony performances and it is really interesting seeing it was interesting like hearing people talk with such passion for a three minute 45 second clip that I couldn't care less about or like was the most important thing to me ever like I felt with so many of these even though sometimes on the pod we would be like I don't know I'm in between like just having these really passionate like responses to them and like also remembering like who I watched them with and like being like on like first YouTube (laughs) in like middle school and like looking stuff up like it just I don't know it had this really sweet nostalgia to me that I think in other years with other sort of categories we've done it maybe has only sometimes been for specific people or specific shows, depending on what it was. And um, yeah, I don't know. I was also surprised at hearing what people remember, um, like hearing sometimes people brought up like in Eli and Rosie's episode, they brought up like at the end of spring awakening, you hear the girls like, giggle as they like run off the stage and I was like I've never heard that and I've watched this a million times and I watched it and I heard it and like 
and like these little things that I remember like it's it's just like the collective memory of all of these was very interesting and like things I thought happened but didn't actually happen or just like I don't know it was it, it was really um beautiful and in that way like I think sometimes that's why it was really hard to vote for because I felt myself thinking less about like song structure and like blah 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 I was just thinking about like oh how did they make this like so meaningful and like what am I actually talking about when I'm talking about it being meaningful to me um I don't know which has just made it a little sweeter than than other years um it's hard though because there have been some things where the I have felt very strongly one way and the judges on the show <laughs> very strongly the other way and my thing gets voted out and it's just like personal meaning up against personal meaning like whose yep. personal meaning is more important um which it's that's the structure of how this goes but um there were moments where I was like no I would have fought for that one let me let me fight <laughs> yeah <laughs> Uh, speaking of which, um, I uh, I'm curious just to to hear some quick answers to this because I I do want to get to our marquee matchup, but uh, where where did where did we get it wrong? What what should we have spent longer talking about? You go first, Cammy. No, thank you. <laughs> For me, unfortunately, it's bigger. It's 2013 opening mm. bigger mm-hmm. because. This is my fault for seeding the bracket this way, but because I love Fun Home so much and Fun Home ended up beating 2013 Vigor. Um, but I just think that that was like such a a peak, like magnum opus of, of the Neil Patrick Harris years. Um, and there's a lot about it that is very like comfort Tony performance. Like they, they there's... A lot of silliness, but a lot of kind of like seriousness inside of that silliness, which is always an Alex Schneiman favorite. You know, it's it's some would call it the Catlinification of musical theater. Um, but um, yeah, um, I will say that um, anything goes. The Sutton version versus Pippin. Many listeners of this pod will know that I am a huge fan of Pippin. I'm a Schwartz girl. I love that show. I love that revival specifically. But I was shocked with that. I really didn't see that coming. Anything Goes was one of those ones that I thought was going to go and we would be talking about like in the final few episodes. Because I remember, again, when it happened and when that revival, you know, got underway everyone was like no there's no way she's like yeah they cast a dancer but like there's no way they're gonna make her do that and then when she pulled it off I remember people being like you know just flabbergasted and that's not my show it's not something that I'm like particularly emotionally attached to but again it was like the moment the conversation around it that really stuck in my brain more than like the value of it stuck in my brain, but I just felt like it was such a big conversation. I was shocked when we just sort of blew past it. Yeah. Yeah. That was also one I was going to mention because I also don't particularly like 
anything goes or like I'm the biggest Sutton Foster fan but like I think it's a really good performance yeah and I thought yeah I don't know I thought that was interesting I'll say mine that I thought should have gone farther was come from away Mm. I really like that Tony performance I have not seen the show I don't really have an attachment to like that song or those people in particular but I think those are some really really you know that's that's a little like white people beggar that I think is like so fun (laughs) and like really hot (laughs) I don't know. I always just get so excited when I think about them stomping. I just think it's really cool. And I thought it would go farther because I think that show did great promotional performances. Mm-hmm. When they would go on talk shows and when they did that round, I thought they had some fantastic performances. So I was surprised. Yeah. yeah. I also, um, this is going back to the anything goes world a little bit. But I was really shocked that like the big dancey ones were not what carried through. And shows like Come From Away and, um, you know, the two that we're talking about, like they're not these big production numbers that oftentimes I think shows put on because they think that's what people want and what will sell tickets. Um, And maybe they're selling tickets, but they're not pulling the heartstrings, at least for the voters on this pod. Yeah, that was that was my feeling about how to succeed, um, which ended up losing to Rent, because um, I just love watching Little Daniel Radcliffe <laughs> do that whole number. It's unbelievable. It's so good, and you really have to imagine like the dance belts that all those guys are wearing. Yeah. Like it's it's crazy. Anyway, it is time. It is time to crown a winner. Our two songs are oh the Knicks just won our two songs are dream girls 1982 as i mentioned jennifer holiday versus the color purple uh an ensemble but also a solo a, a medley of ensemble and, and uh, solo performances um danielle brooks heather headley cynthia Revo. um what say you where are we going here? I mean, two incredible performances that I think at first glance could appear to be similar in some ways of like women just like ripping on vocals and doing amazing center stage, center stage stuff. Um, but really, really different once you actually sort of get into it. And I'm interested to hear um your guys's thoughts because as we were talking about a little bit like they're both incredible like they're both amazing and I think a lot of this is going to get into just like what do Tony Ward performances mean to you what are you looking for what is exciting to you as a voter um and yeah yeah don't look at me I have a very clear winner here but I'm not voting Mariah you need to give me a sec because I have to pull out my notes. While we're paused, we were talking earlier about um, the like performances that these shows will do not on the Tonys, like on talk shows and stuff like that. And when I was looking at um, the Wikipedia pages for 
Cynthia Rebo and Jennifer Holiday. <laughs> <laughs> I was as well. I was yeah. as well. Cynthia Rebo and the cast won a daytime Emmy for this performance. Not this performance, but they performed it on, I think, like the Today Show or something. And they won an Emmy for it. Wow. I never heard of that before. Cynthia Rebo EGOT? Wicked? Question mark? Um, A good question. Does Cynthia Rebo need this win right now? (laughs) Yeah, no, it's the EGOT. The S is showed out. (laughs) I found my notes. (laughs) Um, so I'm going to start by sort of roasting Alex over the fire a little bit because in our, in our own little private conversations in our domestic home the other night, he talked about how he thinks that the dream girls performance uh, sort of lags on for a little bit, sort of drags on, which I couldn't disagree more with. Because any time, it's been scientifically proven that any time the human ears hear, Curtis was supposed to love me, your nervous system, your, your nervous system is activated <laughs> into a different <laughs> sense of time and place. So that's just proving completely wrong. Time and space does drop away a little bit. Like everyone develops tunnel vision. Yes. And just whatever they are doing, they put it down and they plan to. I'm just imagining yes. like like the monolith in in 2001: A Space Odyssey, except like and like all of evolution, all of time has been <laughs> has been pervaded by this common thread of Curtis was supposed to love me. My favorite joke that I do to people is when they were like, they'll go. I can't remember. I, I'm supposed to, and I'll go, love me. <laughs> Curtis was supposed to love me. And it works every time. I'm picturing uh, like, <laughs> when people talk about the Big Bang, first there was nothing, then there was. <laughs> <laughs> and there was. From there. And there was. Yeah. I mean, so that's first off. <laughs> but I think that there. I think there's something really ex- like theatrically exciting about this performance, like watching this specific performance in that like everyone is just like singing from the bottoms of their feet. And there's something about it that like feels really Greek and almost like too much for like what it needed to be, which actually is what makes it like perfect and like makes you like care about it so much wait can we just clarify you're talking about dream girls yes dream girls yeah i in my notes uh wrote musical exorcism and (laughs) i i feel like that's what you're speaking to a little bit of just like they were getting those demons out with their palate lifted their placement set and they were just launching them at the audience yes and And that's the thing is, it's just, it is, you know, like when the show was out, like this was like the number everyone was talking about. And like, also was also like a weird moment. Cause when you look at some of the things people said about Jennifer Holiday, some of them are really wonderful and complimentary. And then some of them are like trying to be complimentary, but are like really nasty in a sort of 
weirdly racist, weirdly fat phobic way that it doesn't need to be. And like, there is, I was like reading a little bit about this just because I was like interested in it. And the show took like a long time to develop. It was sort of like an unnamed project for a long time that they knew like Shirley Ralph and uh, Loretta, what's her face was going to do. And like Jennifer Holliday kept sort of coming in and out of the project because of how they shaped her character. And then the original version of this, she was actually supposed to, instead of this moment happening, her character was supposed to die. <laughs> um, it originally wasn't like about dream girls. It was just supposed to be about like black background singers. Um, and it was called, oh my God, it was called what one of the songs is called. I'll, I'll look it up. But um, yeah, and, and, and she sort of like was attaching and detaching herself to the project because of not sort of like being treated a certain way. And like, I find watching the performances that she did in this moment in time particularly powerful because it also was sort of speaking to how people were talking about her doing the show, not just how like the characters talk about Effie and, and like, it's one of the performances that's not just like greatest Tony performances, but like greatest performances literally like of all time that we have in recorded history. And I think like part of the reason and, you know, I'll go on my annual diatribe of like, and here's what we learned about racism from doing this season of the podcast later. But like, I, I think there's something about the fact that like, and yes, this was a different time and they were promoting shows in a different way, but like that this performance is just like the sheer moment of the top sheer moment of brilliance from that whole show being shown in its entirety and also, just to roast Alex again, something he said the other night at dinner was like, I feel like they don't utilize like the cameras and all those things in the way that we've been talking about some of the more current shows doing and the older shows not really doing. But disagree. Yes, I the highly disagree. Yes, yeah, so over the shoulder shot. And I, I wrote in my notes about how so many of the shots are shot in a specific way so you see it from Effie's perspective. Like, even the wide shots of her being in the center and everybody surrounding her and then the over the shoulder and then, like, it the like sort of, like, pan out and it's black and then the girls come out and they end without her. And, like, it's... I think it's all shown from Effie's perspective. It's just this wild fever dream trip. Alex is going to tell me to stop talking so you can edit this better. But that's all I have for now about Dream Girls. <laughs> It's just, I think it's one of the greatest performances of all time. And I think it's really cool as a promotional choice to end with the three girls singing without her because you wonder what led us to this point and what the hell is going to happen after. And I think that's awesome. And that's a, like, that's such a good point about with Tony performances, there's always the choice, like, do you show a solid moment from the show or do you do this, like, here's our vibe, here's like some highlights um, with a medley like uh, The Color Purple. And one of the pitfalls that you can run into when you do a full number, especially the one that's like the most famous number, the best one in the show is, okay, I've seen it now. You know, like, I don't feel like I have to go back and see what happens after that. I don't like, 
got it done cut print moving on but that choice to end it with like okay well they're gonna keep going without her like what happens next I think was really smart from a promotional like keeping people invested in the story and not just in Jennifer Holiday doing what she does I will note that of the two performances this is um the one with a little bit more like glamour in it you know with the like girls uh being their glamorous selves both in their dresses in at the beginning and when they're performing at the end we talked a little bit about this earlier that like that really hasn't been a priority for voters this season of that sort of like broadway glam thing um but I do think that like when you think of Tony performances, you think of glam and excitement and like that level of showmanship, um, which I don't think is necessarily what makes or breaks a Tony Award performance. But I do think this falls into what more like if someone off the street walks into a Broadway theater, they expect to see people wearing those costumes, you yeah. know? Yeah. Yeah. I don't really have an opinion on that. I just wanted to point it out. <laughs> yeah. Something something I I want to point out that uh the single version of this song, uh song by Jennifer Holiday, uh reached the top of the Billboard R&B charts mm-hmm. and held multiple multiple positions on the the regular Hot 100 uh in the top 40 and she won a Grammy for that single. Um, so it, it kind of has a little bit of the quality. I'm trying to think of like another, like a, like old, old school Broadway where like very popular singles would kind of get reappropriated as Broadway songs and vice versa. Um, in this kind of like proto marketing way that it's like, oh, you want to hear the version of this song that you are spinning the record of come see the show. Um, which definitely a hundred percent plays into why they selected this song as the Tony performance for it. I will also throw out there because I do think this impacts the distinction between the two of them. This performance is nine minutes long. (laughs) The color purple is four minutes long. Like in many, like they just had time to like languish and revel and really like dig in in a way that the color purple really didn't like they were mm-hmm. zipping through hitting those highlights. Yeah. Um, and so again, that question of, you know, do you take a moment of the show and really showcase that and dig in or do you do this overview? Um, I totally get why producers are like, we have so many stars of the show like this show is so much more than just one character. We want to show that off um, and, you know, do right by all the wonderful performers in the show. But I do think that you can undercut the impact a little bit when you hop around as much as they do in a shorter period of time. And if it was anyone but Danielle, Heather, and Cynthia in that performance, I think it would have really, like, hindered the the impact of that performance but it is the three of them so it's neck and neck you know like it's still in there because they are the incredible performers that they are 
this this leads us to a great transition point to start talking about the color purple. Um, yeah, no, just to just to speak to that for that that one point for for a moment, you know, I think uh, television audience expectations have changed dramatically in the forty years between these two. Uh, thirty years, thirty years between. Uh, wait, hold on. Yeah, 30, 35 years ish between these two uh, performances, in that the Tonys now are really a uh, opportunity for advertisers to pay for commercials, and not really always a great opportunity for uh, a chance to display Broadway's greatest talents. Um, which is so ironic in many ways, um, but still delivers us four excellent minutes. And uh, I'd love to hear what you guys have to say about the color purple. I, I've been thinking a lot about like my memory of watching that Tony performance. And like, to be honest, like I don't remember a lot of the show that year besides like that and the Hamilton performance. Um, But I do remember sort of this like feeling of like everything was a little bit of like a wash and a little, and it was like a very weird time. Um, And that being a moment where like the show sort of stopped for a little bit and it was like this really beautiful and like, like really, I'm trying to get myself to not say dropped in because that's like a stupid theater phrase that like means a completely <laughs> different thing. But just it, I remember the sort of like dropping it, almost as like when you're in a room full of people and, you know, something happens and, and everyone sort of becomes really quiet and really watches it like that. I don't, I don't think Tony performances always have. And I also think like, since this performance there have been a couple of performances where people have been like it's the same thing and I've been like no either because like I think maybe the singer is not as um has as much prowess as Cynthia Erivo or the moment actually isn't as well crafted and it's sort of like oversung and a little like showy and like I think something really beautiful about all of the performers is that they it, it, there's like not this like jumpiness to them that I feel sometimes in, in Tony performers of like here we are and we're singing our best song and like this sort of like you know because and, and it's not always nerves everyone gets nervous though and and I think sometimes there's this little shakiness about being on tv and it felt like just being in the room and watching it and like and then when it, it was done, like feeling this big like breath that everyone took after of like, oh my God, I didn't realize we were all holding our breath, like watching it. I think it's really beautiful. And I think something that's I, I think something that's kind of unfortunate about it is that the things I don't like have nothing to do with the performers. Um, and nothing to do with the show. It has to do with like we've been talking about like fitting it into four minutes and and plopping it on TV and all the things that sort of get forgotten. And I think I've sort of noticed that the performances I've preferred as we've been talking through the bracket 
some of the things I dislike have nothing to do maybe with the people who made the show and have to do more with the way we've sort of like tried to compact this award show in particular and like how people might be trying their best to solve certain problems and it just works for some people and not others. And I do, I do think it's interesting that these two performers are like wild powerhouse performers who really had to do some truly flawless, unbelievable work for some of those things that I, I cared about to not mean so much, which is kind of, which is like cool for them, but also kind of like unfortunate. <laughs> um. Well, I mean, that is part of why it's Pony Award performances and not the shows. Like, it's not, mm-hmm. I again, that's a question of how you view the season. Is it, like, the Tony Award performances as they are lens into the show, or are we viewing them as an end in and of themselves? Um, yeah. I also, sort of what you were talking about, Mariah, of just, like, that joy of the performance. Um, I think that starts even in just like the story that they're telling of, you know, dream girls. It is her moment of despair where she's like drowning Mm -hmm. and in the color purple, she's been drowning and this is her Mm -hmm. moment of coming up for air and joy. And I see the other side and all of that sort of stuff. Um, And then also the ending of it, like when it's staged in the show, she's on stage by herself, but she looks around and like connects with the other cast members on stage. Mm-hmm. And that to me speaks to what you were saying of like, they weren't there to prove themselves. They weren't there to fight for it. They were just showing up and saying, we know this is amazing. And we're just excited to be here because we know what it means as a part of this community to be here and be doing this and we're just excited to share it with you and welcome you in to this thing that we've made um which I think for me I've been talking a lot about like what other people's idea of Tony Award performances are but I think for me that's a huge part of it is like the thing that gives me the chills when I watch Tony work performances is seeing someone stand up on stage and be like, wow, they've dreamed their whole life of being mm-hmm. on that stage. And they are. Um, and especially for someone like Cynthia Rivo, who's just like one of the most talented people of our generation, in my opinion, humble opinion, um, seeing her like get that recognition really for the first time. Like I know she did the role on the West yeah. End, but this is different. Yeah. Um, this is America, damn it. <laughs> Pony Awards, guys, get on board. Um, um, but just that like community celebration yeah. aspect of it really, really speaks to me. And I think that is what pulls this one ahead for me ever so slightly. Is Whoa. I know that because it makes you feel something as an audience of the Tony Awards, not just as someone who's watching that performance as an isolated thing. Like, I think it helps mythologize the Tony Awards a little bit for better or worse. I don't know. I just, I've always, I think that's also my personal preference in like musical theater and shows. I've always been really pulled towards shows that, um, 
emphasize personal agency and um, at the end of it, see people come to that place of empowerment and self-actualization. That's always been the stories I've gravitated towards. And Dreamgirls is one of those stories. Just this performance doesn't get us there. Okay. So would you guys mind if I if I said something? I, I don't want it to move the needle, but we can also vote and then I can say what I wanted to say. You no, it's you your say what you yeah. say what you want to say, because whatever you say, I feel opposite from Kenny, but you're not gonna sway me. <laughs> well, yeah, no. I, I I have I hold no disillusionment that I'm ever going to sway you on anything. Um I think I think something about this color purple performance that like really like profoundly moves me is that like this show was th- this uh, Tony's was such a Cami you used the term uh, victory lap for Hamilton and you know I don't want to be hyperbolic and I don't want to like set these two shows in direct competition because like, it's not fair to do that, especially because Hamilton was a new musical and just by virtue of doing that can be up for more awards. Um, But Hamilton won like 10 or 11 fucking awards this night and got, and Lynn like had three speeches prepared. He had so many opportunities to get up there and say what he wanted to say. And Upon reflection, like Hamilton has some some pretty glaring shortcomings in its view of the American Revolution, in its view of modern America, in its view of modern American theater. And whereas back then I might have looked upon like the Obamas introducing it and then performing with more sort of um like glee that that Broadway was achieving such a a moment of of cultural relevance. I now look on it with a little bit more disdain, especially because Hamilton won all these awards, got all this time on stage to give their speeches, got the literal president of the United States to say an introduction. And yet, and and got a six-minute performance by the way the color and purple the closing number and the closing yeah. number <laughs> the color purple got four minutes got best revival of a musical of course and got cynthia Rebo's win for for best uh actress in a musical and like there's something just so powerful to me about like the staying power of this performance you know, obviously it's only been a couple of years, but especially upon reflection of specifically that Hamilton moment that like, while we were celebrating what is arguably a, a problematic way to, to admire America, we had an incredible opportunity to uplift probably the better way to think about America. And we did. And here we are talking about it now. I also, I wanted to take the moment to clarify something I said earlier when I was talking about that Hamilton performance. I think I called it a better time. And what I meant by that was a simpler time. You know, like we were all just, at least I was, I don't want to speak for anyone else, but like I was on board. I was, I knew what was happening. We were all rallied around it. 
um, for better or for worse, and everyone understood what was happening. I'm not suggesting that it was, oh, I would do it again, like it's perfect, but I do think it's a moment in time when sort of the rally around the flag effect of like our genre was experiencing a kind of success that we hadn't experienced in a long time, like the president, all that sort of stuff. And I think people really got swept up in that and excited that people were recognizing the genre and being like, I didn't know musical theater could be like cool and relevant. Um, And I think we were celebrating that as much as we were the piece itself in a way that like, yeah, the genre is being recognized. I can get on board with that. Like, this is the moment I'm in, in a way that did cause us to overlook the color purple and other really amazing things that were going on at the time, as well as things within the work itself that don't stand up to a critical historic view. Mariah? Well, just before we vote, I wanted to talk about what tips me over the scale a little bit the other way. And I think that, um, okay, here we go. If you don't want to hear me step on my little soapbox, you can hit the 30 seconds ahead a couple of times. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe five times. Try five. I, I think so. Phoebe Gonzalez, shout out her has, talked about sort in like the past couple years when we talk about certain songs about how there's like this sort of unrealistic both demand and expectation of female performers to do like unbelievable crazy singing um that is almost becoming like untenable um <laughs> in new musicals that's like almost becoming like uh, like impossible footnote um, paradise square performance 2022 well and what i was about to say was i think that actually is tenfold for black female performers um part of the reason i'm voting for this performance is because Yes, it's an amazing performance and not just like an amazing Tony performance, but it's not like we're not highlighting some of the best Broadway performers we've ever had in these, in in the bracket as a whole. And I don't think other than perhaps Cynthia Erivo, (laughs) I don't really think any of them and Alex Newell, actually, I take that back, could do this performance. And I think something that actually sort of unfortunately puts them ahead is the fact that like, yeah, when you think about the Paradise Square performance or when you think about these or when you think about like people who are highlighted, like when you think about like that Follies performance or Rent or like Black women or or Alex Newell singing on Once on this Island, like the things that Black women are singing in these Tony performance numbers are much more difficult than anything anyone else is singing um, by a wide margin, by a far margin. And I actually think maybe if some of those performance expectations did not exist, that that the, the numbers in themselves, like if we ignored the singing, might shake out differently because part of the reason these two are here is because like what human could possibly do this? Mm-hmm. And that's amazing. 
But I think it's also like, okay, why didn't these people get paid as much as Patti Lapone and Bernadette Peters or Josh Groban or Annalie Ash? Like, I think that's just like, again, and now I'll step down. But like, I, I just, I can't ignore the fact that that was also happening in like, Yes, it wasn't like early, early musical theater, but musical theater hasn't been around that long. And the 80s were not a super nice time to Black people generally. And like to have a performance like that, I just think is like truly unbelievable. And I really do not believe that any other performer in this bracket could do it as well as as she. And I, and I, I, and I think that even if they sang their own thing that was as 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 difficult and as com- complex, it just would not come out that way. And I I think that that's just important for us to reflect on <laughs> as as we think about the solo performances. <laughs> Mariah, you're very smart, and that has caused me to think two subsequent things that I would like. <laughs> Can we vote, please, Jesus? No, 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 no last things, last things. Because no, we already did the debrief, so we'll vote in. It'll be fine. I, what Mariah just said and our conversation has changed how I'm voting and the <laughs> to talk about it, Alex uh, one uh, I think I made the point earlier that dream girls it felt like they were like fighting to be there and the color purple it felt like a victory lap like they were there and I do think part of that is the time period and how people were looking at black stories and black performers. Um, And yeah, I also think that what you said about the only other person who could do what Jennifer Holiday did is maybe Alex Newell and (laughs) Cynthia Rebo, but Cynthia Rebo didn't, you know, like, yeah, (laughs) like her color purple performance was incredible and it was celebratory, and I think a lot of things that a good Tony Award performance should be. But it also is not anywhere close to what Jennifer Holiday did for nine minutes, not 90 seconds. Mm-hmm. All right. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to friggin' vote. Um, you each have five votes. You can split between the two songs. Cami, since you were first on my screen... What are your votes? And in your heart, am I right? I, uh, you are on a call with my dearly beloved. That's why I said it, Alex. It was a joke. Okay. <laughs> um, I'm going to give three to Dream Girls and two to The Color Purple. Uh, Mariah Lorraine? I'm doing the same. All right. Drumroll, please. Um, You guys voted in exact accordance with the public. Whoa! The public voted uh, 60 to 40 in favor of Dreamgirls. Wow! Um, Yeah. And uh, you guys guys gave six of your votes to Dreamgirls, four of them to to the color purple, and therefore match precisely. Dreamgirls has steamrolled this this whole. I mean, this this was the inevitable. This was this was the Thanos <laughs> snap. This I mean, this is we basically went on this whole enterprise just to get to this point anyway. Um, but uh, there it is, and there we go. Kemi, what were you going to say? Um, I'm sorry for interrupting. I broke podcast rules. Um, 
I was just going to say that I think this means that Mariah and I are the voices of a nation, and yep. it, should, it shouldn't have taken you this long to get me on the phone. And now we're your new leaders. <laughs> um, you know, the, the, there's a funny thing about uh, other performers on the bracket doing this song. I think there's a version of Titus Burgess doing this. There is. Else. There is, yeah. Like Broadway um, backwards or something, whatever or one of those horrifically named uh, yeah. but fun exercises in, <laughs> in, uh, in, in Broadway <laughs> hilarity are. Um, yeah. So look at us. Look at where we've we've come. Look at look at where look we around. are. Look around. <laughs> look at where we started. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, after I spent like three minutes shitting on Hamilton. Oh my god. Oh wow. Fantastic. Oh, this is great. Fantastic. Um now now is the point in the podcast where you get to plug whatever you want to plug. Um Mabel is sitting right next to me, eyeballing me. She wants to plug playing outside. Cammy, what do you want to plug? Come back to me and edit this part out, Mariah. <laughs> Um, what do I want to plug? Um, I want to plug. No, here's what I really want to plug. All right, everybody. I've been trying for years to get Alex to do villain songs for a season of the podcast, and he doesn't think there's enough songs. And so if you think that if you got to this point in the podcast and you want to do villain songs for a year, you must, the people must speak so I can live my dream. Um, also, please buy the stickers. <laughs> if you had to listen to that on the audio just now and like your experience was like borderline medical, medical emergency. No, it was, okay. It was ASMR. And no, so no. It was immersing the audience no it is a horrific sound i have an mfa (laughs) not yet not yet yeah yeah only one of us mariah whatever anyway the dog is screaming at me cammy do you have anything to plug um uh um i just this isn't i'm not associated with this in any way but i just watched jury duty the new tv show and i really (laughs) cannot recommend it highly enough i had such a lovely time um i also this isn't my podcast so i don't know if i'm allowed to do this but i would like to dedicate this episode to the memory of the celtic knot in evanston illinois yes um i feel like all of my training that prepared me to have this conversation happened over blue moon Mm -hmm. and chips Mm -hmm. at the celtic knot and i am very sad to see her close yeah. Indeed. Shout out Old Faithful. Um, we love you. Shout out to Liz. Cammy, Mariah, thank you. You you have brought us to the mountaintop. And uh, as I am Sisyphus, this ball will roll all the way back down to the bottom of the valley, and I will have to build up a whole new bracket next year to... Uh, of villain songs. To push the ball up. It'll probably be villain songs. Who am I kidding? Um, <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you to our listeners. Thank you to our voters. Thank you to our sticker purchasers, of which there are two of, presently. Of which there um, will be many. <laughs> oh my god, these sticker—the greatest stickers in the world. 
Um, thank you to the dog. Thank you to the dog was the general dog. Um, <laughs> anyway, till next year, everybody, <laughs> Mabel, please till next year, everybody. Uh, and be on the lookout for, uh, new podcast projects coming from the, uh, yes. the Alex Schneidman showdown universe. Um, there, there are things in the works. Um, Thank you, and uh, see you next time.